This is the Assumption Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. When dawn breaks, mercies arise. Assumption Church is a Roman Catholic community under the care of the Franciscan Friars Conventual of Our Lady of Angels Province. It is a community of faith which is active in service and its ministries bring the gospel message of peace, reconciliation, and love to Syracuse and all of central New York. Your glory here among us, great is our Grace to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Then each went to his own house, while Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. But early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They said this to test him so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, And from now on, do not sin anymore. The word of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Lord Jesus Jesus Christ. Christ. It is fitting for Bishop Lucia to have invited a Franciscan to preach a penance service. Now, Franciscans are not as well educated as our much beloved Jesuit friends, and certainly not as holy 
as our diocesan priests here in Syracuse. But Franciscans, we live in community. And because we live in community, we tend to get to know each other well, both our qualities and our sins. And hopefully, this makes us more compassionate towards others. That's why we friars are the principal confessors of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, and why several of us have the privilege of hearing so many of your confessions at the Franciscan place in Destiny, USA. Bishop Lucia, it is fitting for a Franciscan to preach about penance, but not necessarily this Franciscan. You see, when I hear the word penance, I get hives. I feel like I'm about to have a root canal. Not a pleasant thought. It's not something I really like to do. And I have a hunch that I'm not the only one who feels this way. In my 30 years of hearing confessions, I have found that many of us approach the sacrament of reconciliation as, were, as if it were a financial audit by the IRS. Now, the church has correctly taught us over the years to make a complete and honest examination of our conscience. But sometimes we approach it as if God were out to get us, to trap us, to find something that perhaps we've forgotten, that God is trying to get us into hell rather than to get us into heaven. We worry and are anxious about every little detail and we end up feeling bad about ourselves and less focused on God, but on our sins. And this approach could not be any further from the truth. Because doing penance, being penitential, celebrating the sacrament of reconciliation is a liturgical act. It's an act of worship. And like all true worship, it's not about us. It's about God and what God is doing in our lives. True spirituality never points back at us. It always points us to the Father. In the tender story of Jesus' interaction with a woman caught in adultery, we see in real life how God looks at each one of us. So let's look at that story a bit more closely. Let me ask you a question. What's weird about this story? There's an elephant in the middle of the room that nobody talks about. Can you guess what it is? You know, it takes two to tango. Same thing is true in adultery. Where's the guy? Back then, and still often today, there's this double standard for men and women. The other person committing adultery doesn't show up to account for his sin. If we are going to talk about penance, we have to show up for the conversation. Not just physically show up, but with our whole heart and mind and our whole soul, we have to be radically honest about our truth, about what's really going on in our lives. Not just about missing an occasional prayer, 
But what's really happening? This is not the time to sugarcoat or play games. We're only fooling ourselves. Obviously, God already knows everything. But our voicing with our own lips, naming our sins, means that we own our actions or our failure to act. The second odd thing about this passage is that the couple is caught in flagrante delicto, in the very act of committing adultery. Who is watching? And why were they watching? Is this like the story of Susanna in the book of Daniel, where there's a bunch of dirty old men trying to catch her? What was going on there? Again, in our doing of penance, we have to make sure to acknowledge honestly our sins, not those of our neighbors. How many times in confession have I heard people say something like, Oh, Friar Rick, it's been uh, a year since my last confession. You know, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't steal anything. But my daughter-in-law, oh my Lord, Father, she is a mess. She's no good to my son. She doesn't cook right. She doesn't clean right. In the end, I have to say, whose confession are we hearing? It's like in the 12-step movement, right? Take your own inventory, not someone else's. And finally, we come to the third character in the story, the woman herself brought before Jesus. Can you imagine being pulled out of your bed, half-naked, dragged through the streets? You're not prepared, you're embarrassed, and there you are in a crowd of people facing the Lord. How humiliating, how awkward, how weird must that have been for her? You know... That's not too far off from what we've experienced in the last few weeks. Our lives have been upended by this pandemic. Perhaps we were keeping Lent well, or perhaps we were not. But either way, we've been dragged out of our complacency with everyone else on the whole planet, and we are face-to-face -face with our mortality and with some of the big questions of life. What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to the people I love? Where is God in all this? As Chris Paget said yesterday, this Lent has turned out to be the Lentiest Lent of all Lents. We have been stripped of so many things that we normally use to avoid honestly confronting our lives. We've immersed ourselves usually in our work, or we sometimes numb ourselves in the gym. We escape in the crowds of our social life and sometimes dip into the complacency of rote going to church on Sundays. But none of that is available. We're stuck. So if you're like me, You've probably spent some of this time in quarantine eating too much, that was week one, drinking too much, 
binging on Netflix too much, to try to assuage that uncomfortable silence, a silence that invites us to go deeper, to look at ourselves. It reminds me of when my mother died. It was about five years ago this month. At her funeral, my, at her funeral, my father, who was 10 years her elder, said to us very glibly, yeah, I'm not going to be around much longer, so you better be ready. And in fact, five months later, we were at his funeral. After my father's funeral, as we entered my parents' house where I had grown up since I was zero years old, and I saw all their cherished possessions, the curio cabinets, the china, the paintings, the furniture, stuff that my mother loved and cared for, stuff they had bought with her hard-earned money as new immigrants. And you know what? None of it made sense anymore. None of it mattered. All that stuff was just stuff. Without my parents, the stuff was meaningless. What was once a home was now just a house. As we go through these difficult times where we are stripped of all the things that we normally rely on to build ourselves up, we are left with nothing material, but only our relationship with the Lord, ultimately. And we're invited to ask ourselves some deep questions. We have a choice to make. We can fill the silence and stillness of these days with multiple activities, or we can focus on gratitude. Gratitude for the breath we have. Gratitude for our life. Gratitude and an awareness that everything we have is a gift from God. The very person that we are is God's gift. As we are, with all our foibles, is a gift from God. And God knows our sins and loves us. He invites us, like he does that woman, to sin no more. But he begins by loving us unconditionally. You don't need a lot of other stuff. And we're learning that the hard way during this Lent. It's from this place of deep, deep gratitude that we can truly come before the Lord with a contrite heart, confessing our sins while being enveloped by an awareness of how much we are loved. I said at the beginning of this homily that many of us approach penance like an audit by the IRS. I'd like to suggest another image. For when we do penance and confess our sins, it is like imaging God as a woman in labor. The labor is painful. There are tears in the mother's eyes and in the babies when the baby is born. But as they go through the experience and the newborn is placed in its mother's arms, everything else is forgotten. Reconciliation 
is our return into God's loving arms. There is pain and there are tears along the way, but God looks at you with great tenderness and all is forgiven. In you are every day becomes eternity. Thanks for listening to the Assumption Church Podcast. To listen to more episodes, connect with us in our community, or join us for worship, please visit assumptionsyr.org. Light of the world.